Welcome to The Music Reel. I'm your host, Nicola Burton, and I am so thrilled to introduce you to my guest today. Today, I'm speaking to award-winning British music artist, composer, producer, Nitin Sawney, who is one of the most distinctive and versatile musical legends in the world today. Thank you for joining me today, Nitin. How are you going? Well, I'm still recovering from that um, introduction you just gave me. I, I don't know if I agree with that, but thank you very much. It's very kind of you to say that. <laughs> Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Now, how are you going over there right now? So it's morning. You're in your summer. How, mm-hmm. is, um, how are things in, I, I mean, you're not in lockdown anymore. It's still a bit of a twilight zone though, isn't it? What's it like? Exactly. Well, there's a lack of clarity and all of that. But I think, um, I think really, from my point of view, um, it's just about being careful as much as you can and, and just really, uh, you know, being wise and, and um, cautious and um, thoughtful about other people and uh, in every situation, just thinking through what the best thing to do is. And, and you know, there are, there are guidelines, but they seem to shift quite a lot to the point where it's quite difficult for people to follow them. Um, or to know what what the correct thing is. I mean, they've they've changed so many times. Um, But generally, uh, when I go indoors in any place that isn't my home, then I generally wear a mask. If I'm outside and I see quite a lot of people around me, I'll wear a mask. Um, And otherwise, I'm kind of, you know, I'm I'm trying to keep uh, my interaction with other musicians or other people down to, to Zoom interviews or Zoom conversations or Zoom even Zoom uh, kind of collaborations. But, um, but I mean, a few times, you know, recently I was with Jules Holland in his studio and, uh, and that was actually really nice. It was lovely to be with other musicians there. And we did talk about wearing masks, but I think we, we all decided it was fine in that particular situation because we had all been quite careful. So we thought, okay, you know, we trust each other and let's just see what happens. But we weren't, we were still keeping social distance and, and so on, so yeah. It's, it's, a, it's such a surreal place to find ourselves in. I mean, we snuck yeah. you to Australia late last year for a few shows and yeah. you are normally travelling the world. So what was it like yeah. not to travel, not to get in a plane and then be in lockdown? <laughs> what was that like for you? Yeah, it's been, it's been <laughs> crazy. I mean, it's, been, it's very weird. I mean, I'm, I'm very... I mean, I'm not earthbound for very long generally. So it's quite, it is quite weird for me to be in that situation. And I, I do, I mean, I miss traveling a a lot. Um, You know, I'm used to spending a lot of time in other countries and meeting different types of people from all over. And so to, to really, you know, not have that, I mean, it's just, I think everyone's adapting. Everyone's, everyone's having to think in a very different way and to look at things in maybe in new lights and to find, uh, positivity and everything that that is going on right now, which is hard. I mean, especially against the backdrop of so many people having passed away. But at the same time, um, you know, we are being pushed as as you know humankind uh, into revising our ways of thinking about how we interact with the world around us, um, not just other people, but you know the environment we're in, and also. Um, how we engage with um, things that we took for granted to some degree. I mean, music is something that we always have just imagined will just continue on and and go in the same way that it always has. But even in recent years before uh, lockdown, I mean, it's been uh, increasingly difficult for musicians to to work in the way they had done. You know, the day of, I mean, CDs and albums and so on is is quite 
it's a very different kind of world now um, with streaming and so on. But then add on to that lockdown where a lot of musicians were making their living from live touring um, as opposed to album sales because that was less lucrative than it had been uh, for many artists. So it's kind of now, you know, a lot of um, musicians feel checkmated by the, by the whole situation we're in. And as a result, um, you know, I know many people who are considering, I mean, this morning, uh, Crispin Hunt, uh, who's from the Iver, uh, Ivers um, board, and he's the chair of that, he, he actually said that 64% um, of musicians were thinking of leaving the profession. So it is quite worrying. I mean, from my point of view, I'm very lucky in that I do a lot of film school work. I, I make out, you know, I'm making my new album. I produce other people. I do lots of different things. And I'm very lucky in that I cultivated that kind of quite diverse way of thinking about music over the years. But people who are very focused on maybe one aspect of music, whether they're theatre composers or film composers or, you know, or, or whatever they do, it's very difficult right now. I mean, films aren't getting made. Um, you know, theatre productions are, are on hold. It is, it's a crazy time. And that's the thing is that if you're a young artist and you're coming into your career, you're not looking at it the way that we did. It's, it, you know, there isn't much to look forward to. In Australia, we can have a hundred people in a pub, but no one can dance. Can you imagine? You can't dance. What's it like in London? Is it the same? Yeah, I mean, uh, but basically there is no, I mean, I think interestingly, uh, you know, in terms of dance, I've worked a lot with choreographers and dancers and so on. So people like Akram Khan are doing, uh, are putting together choreographed um, shows, uh, which are, which I think there was one online last night. But, um, but in terms of going to clubs and so on, I, I personally don't think it's the most responsible thing to do right now to go to a club. Um, and it's kind of weird because everyone wants to express themselves and, it's, you know, until there is some kind of a, a viable permanent solution to all of this, it's, it's going to be very difficult for people to, to know exactly what to do. And I think that it's about being responsible. So dancing, I think, is, um, you know, in clubs, um, you know, because you are exerting a lot of energy, you breathe more heavily, you're, you're in a quite sweaty kind of uh, confined space with other people. I just don't think it's a wise idea. I mean, you know, until we have some better grip on on what to do about all this um you know i read i read somewhere yesterday that they were talking about mosquito repellent being the solution who <laughs> you know it's getting to the point where i'm hearing so many different uh, and that was on the front page of one of the papers here but i mean like i you know we're hearing so many different uh, kind of mm -hmm. ideas about what the solution is but you know no one's actually seemed to no one seems to have come up with anything that seems viable right now yet hopefully they will <laughs> now you released the song down the road in february yeah yeah pathetic lyrics there's a time we'll stand together i can't believe you like that came out in february and here we yeah. are we have been trying to stand together to protest the glaring inequities that we've seen around the world over the last five months i mean well we've yeah. had virus lockdowns economic impact you guys are going through brexit you've got the trump election over there oh my god like what else can happen in this year? So I'm, I'm curious to hear from you because for me, your music is about you're telling a story that needs to be told for the voices that need to be heard. So there's so much yeah. going on out here. What is your take on 2020 and what do we need to do to, I guess, get to the other side of this? My gosh, I mean, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I, I despair. Um, 
I mean, you know, in, in 2014, I was on Channel 4 News warning about a lot of what, what I saw coming. And, um, you know, I saw the rise of the right wing. I saw a lot of this happening where, whereby people are taken in by absolute, you know, by absolute charlatans who are self-interested, greedy narcissists who want to take everything from everyone and who have no care about anyone except themselves who are racist, who are bigoted, who are misogynistic, who are, you know, and those people seem to have got a massive foothold everywhere right now. And I think it's, I, I don't really get how they have managed to win over so much of the electorate in so many different places. I, you know, I do know that there has been a lot of manipulation of information, of statistics. I mean, that's documented now. That's been proven to be the case. Um, you know, we don't really know how far and how deep a lot of that goes. But what I do feel is that we, you know, globally, and it's not just America and, the, and, and here, I mean, it's everywhere. I, I do feel that, the, that there's been, an, you know, the right wing has become very much emboldened to, um, to, to make statements and to normalise um, ways of thinking that we would have, you know, collectively as nations, um, completely condemned as abhorrent um you know just a few years ago and yet suddenly people are saying things doing things um quite openly that that are quite shocking and disgusting um and go against every aspect of human compassion and humanity and and i do think that you know as a musician as an artist i mean my next album is called immigrants i feel an obligation to to um to actually counteract that um, and not in a didactic way necessarily because I don't think that works people at the moment are not in the mindset to be told to think anything um, but I do think to celebrate immigrants across the world to actually give a different perspective to ask different questions to look at um, you know to look at ways of thinking where the agenda of what we're talking about and how we are thinking is not set by people who have who have interests that are based on their own private uh, agendas and personal um uh, i guess um personal enrichment and you know i i think right now um I, I can only try to create music and to to be creative in a way that that is um is is kind of engaging with with the frustration of all of that i suppose and it's it's just so true because for us to move forward and recover We've got to see each other as the same frequency as human. Yeah. I've never seen so much hatred online mm. conversations. I'm, yeah. I, I just, and it's just blows my mind. Here we are at this time when we really are on the same page. We should be. Mm. What's your thought on a roadmap to recovery, given that we've seen so much hatred? And also let's talk about your album in that, because I feel like almost like your music is a blueprint for recovery in as much as it's, all about inclusion we're all we're all human after all yeah inclusion is the word i mean i i think um you know it's like i said i try not to make didactic music because i'm, I'm a musician i'm not somebody who's, who's telling anyone or qualified to tell anyone how to think but i do feel that um you know my obligation as an artist is to be cathartic about what happens and to express my feelings um but having said that uh i also think that you know, my, my heroes, a lot of the people that I really, you know, is, at the moment, actually, I think there's, um, I saw um, that there was a, 
a new series that's coming out, I can't remember which channel it's on, about the history of soul music and so on in America. And they were talking about the, um, about people like James Brown and, and a lot of the artists, you know, um, uh, who came from like Stax Records and, and a lot of the people who came on the back of what happened with Martin Luther King um, around the time of the civil rights movement. And, you know, when you look at Black Lives Matter, when you look at what's going on with um, people trying to express the frustrations that have been building up yet again for decades um, with, with the way in which they've been oppressed. I think, you know, there is, there is now a kind of strong um, movement towards uh, recognising um, that there's been a systemic and institutionalised uh, kind of, not any kind of conspiracy, because I don't think it's orchestrated in any way, but I do think that there has been an atmosphere and a, a kind of zeitgeist that has been quite negative, um, that has come from certain politicians saying things that are irresponsible from uh, mainstream media saying and and platforming irresponsibly you know if you base everything on on profit and entertainment in terms of how you platform then you you take the most controversial figures quite often who are going to provoke and those people quite often will end up being um you know, we'll gain, we'll gain support. And, and quite often those people are very, very right wing and very extreme. So moving forward, what's our call to action? How do we, that's <laughs> a question, right? But look, we're, we've yeah. got an opportunity. We don't want to recreate the world the way that it's been. No, I agree. We want to, we want to do something that we've been, we don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. What can we actually do, Nitin? And I think music is, is going to play a part in it. I'm really keen to hear what you think. Which is why, which is why I, you know, with this album, with Immigrants, it's about a celebration of immigrants. You know, when people are demonising immigrants and have been for a very long time, I don't think people realise how much contribution internationally, you know, globally, um, immigrants, you know, have the, the part that they've played in building countries and building societies and building cultures. Um, the idea that people think of cultures in a very uh, intransigent kind of um, uh, static way, um, is bizarre to me. I mean, every culture is dynamic. I mean, this this concept that there is some kind of uh, uh, racial, um, you, you know, the people are in some or, or indigenous, what they call indigenous populations. I mean, it means something very different in Australia to what it would mean here. For example, the use of the word indigenous. These things have got to be questioned because, like here, it's used in a very right wing way to kind of preserve some kind of. Um, you know, what I called a kind of anachronistic imperial pride, which, which comes from the, the time of the British Empire. And that kind of, and the use of the word indigenous is, is kind of in that context. So you have to question semantics. You've got to question, whereas obviously in Australia, it's very different. I mean, in Australia, you know, indigenous is actually looking at how, I mean, again, it, the, the use of the word changes depending on, uh, on who the oppressors are and, and how that has worked. So it's kind of about questioning context as well as meaning of words. So semantics change depending on context. And I think that's why it's always worth looking at history. And that's why, um, you know, Black Lives Matter is important here, um, you know, as, as it is in America. Here, I think Black Lives Matter is looking much more at the historical, um, you know, impact of, of um, having having uh, statues up of slavers and so on, and questioning that rightly, you know, and saying, I mean, right now there is a controversy going on over here 
over um, over the use of the word slave uh, slavers or slaved enslaved in in the in the song Royal Britannia and um, and yeah and and so that's become controversy although many people are saying this is a distraction from what's going on which I, I agree with to some extent um, in terms of the uh, it's not really where our main focus should be we should be focused on the fact that this government is has been totally incompetent in in handling uh, the coronavirus epidemic and also in terms of um, you know, generally their attitude towards race and so many other issues, but and the economy and, and, and Brexit and all kinds of stuff. But um, having said that, um, Royal Britannia, that those, the, the actual use of certain words is, is a symptom of a mindset. And that's what people don't get. You know, some people are saying, well, you know, well, why, why do that? Why would you change words? Because it's, it's actually, you know, it's about recognizing that there has been a history that it has been that has been totally unfair and and has oppressed a lot of people uh, to to benefit to benefit well the, the people who who you know the, the white people who are who who've, who've actually uh, whose ancestors were you know were here many years ago so hundreds of years ago so so the point is that you know it's about recognizing that in the same way it, in australia it was appropriate to have the reconciliation movement you know i mean that 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 was actually about about kind of looking at the history of what what happened and saying well we need to we need to redress that imbalance that has been entrenched in in um in the way in which everyone thinks and we have so much work to do we have so much absolutely more and we are a country in australia uh, apart from our first nation people we're all immigrants all of us, yeah. we, all, we all have so much to offer and it's really an opportunity, isn't it, for us to come together and go, all right, this is what I've got, what have you got? Let's, let's you know, create something really good together. So I've got my fingers crossed that this lockdown can actually be an opportunity for us to actually make some changes. What do you you think? know, one of the greatest, one of the greatest things I, when I was in Australia many years ago, I was at the uh, Gama Festival with, uh, I'd been invited there by Mandawai Unipingu and um, Phil Ruddock, I think, turned up to, to give a little speech. And I remember he actually said, um, he was talking and he, said, and he was talking about the, some of the um, refugees who were on, uh, uh, on Christmas Island. Uh, and, uh, and he was saying, oh, we, we really don't want these boat people coming over here. And I remember Mundawai shouting out, but you are the boat people. And <laughs> it was kind of like, <laughs> you know, and I kind of so think true. it's, it's, yeah, and it's, it's really interesting, this kind of, um, this idea of entitlement, you know, um, where it's, it, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's about people, um, you know, the, the, the thing is, you know, in terms of immigrants and so on, it's actually about history, context, behavior, and how people are, you know, where, where is the compassion, where is the humanity, where is the kind of, uh, where's the fairness, where's the, where's the, uh, equitable thinking you know it's we, we need to be um we need to as a society uh look at look at how everyone is treated and and also you know when when we have i mean particularly over here at the moment um the the way in which you know the, this government is thinking of asylum seekers i mean the idea that, that we, we've now got pretty patel here um the home secretary actually um uh, appointing literally somebody who's called a clandestine channel threat commander which just sounds like some kind of joke name from some 
science fiction thing or some kind of mad absurd comedy um it just sounds ridiculous and the problem is that is the attitude that it's that they start with in terms of how they treat people who can only actually claim asylum in the country they're in once they're in the country that's when they can start the process of claiming asylum they can't claim asylum until they're in you know within the borders of that country so that's why they're so desperate to get into countries so they can start the process of claiming asylum otherwise they are totally stuck you know they they can't and and so you know those brave people who who actually you know and and that's children as well as, as mothers and so on who are braving um, you know, international waters. And, and there's so much nonsense uh, talks about them being illegal. They are not illegal in any way. They're entitled to be in international waters here. We only have a 12, uh, 12 mile border around this island where, they, where we can say, uh, okay, that's, those are British waters. But in, if we find anyone in those waters, we are, um, we are obligated legally to, to um, bring them to safety. So this idea of having a clandestine channel threat commander is just nonsense, as if, as if those people deserve any more hell than they already have been through in their lives. I'm really you know, glad they're that... seeking asylum for a reason. Well, I'm glad that you're talking about it and we need to talk about it. I mean, my ancestors, I wouldn't be here if they hadn't have sought refuge in Australia. So, you know, we're really? all in the same boat, literally. So let's yeah, talk yeah. about your album, Immigrants. When is it coming out, Nitin? Well, uh, actually, we're talking. We've we've been talking about that. I think it's it's going to come out in the early part of next year, probably uh, around February and March of next year. Um, I'm looking to deliver the final uh, the final album probably sometime in October. Obviously, we've had um, we've had three singles from it, but the the album versions of those singles would be very different from the singles you've heard in terms of how I might treat them. Well, maybe not that different, but they they'll be they'll be uh, different versions and. Um, and I suppose the album uh, in itself, as, as always, I try to create a kind of feeling of a narrative and, and try to create something that, um, that uh, I guess, um, you know, has its own flow. So all of the tracks that I, I'm creating at the moment or working with other artists on, um, those tracks will form part of a, a feeling and a narrative. It's, it's kind of very much a sequel to an album I made a long time ago called Beyond Skin. And, um, and it's the first time I've done that. I mean, you know, none of the, I mean, the album that followed Prophecy was a very different kind of album. It was where I was traveling around and, and also included people like Mandawai Yunipingu talking on the album and so on. But this album is, is really coming from the same place as Beyond Skin. Um, but is a, is a kind of updated way of looking at that. And I th I'm very glad that we performed at the Royal Albert Hall. And in Australia last year, um, we performed uh, Beyond Skin from start to finish. And, um, and that, that was really helpful in terms of reminding me about where all those feelings and thoughts came from. I loved that album. I discovered Thank you, you um, when Prophecy came out. I, it was actually a time in my life when I'd given up on music. I couldn't listen to it. You know how sometimes you get right. to that point where you're just like, I can't, I can't. And it kind of reconnected me back to myself. But what it did was actually entrained the whole household. And it was a gold standard of being a parent. I have this one tick. Each one of my kids have your CDs in their collection. Each one of my kids have your songs on their Spotify playlist. And one of my sons said to me the other day, Mom, wherever we are in the world, if I hear a Knit and Sawney song, I feel like I'm home. And how oh, what a lovely that? thing to say. I feel like I'm home. 
And that's what you that's do amazing. to connect people. And we all, like I've spoken to so many of your fans lately and they all say the same thing. I feel like it's given me a refuge, a home. So thank you to all the people whose lives you have changed. Thank you so much for taking oh, the time to talk you. to me today. Thank you so much. And next time you're in Australia, I can't wait to come and meet you. Oh, that's really kind of you. That, that's a lovely thing to say, Nikki. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And look, thank you for talking to me. And good luck with the album and the tour next year. Cool. Thank you. Well, um, hopefully I'll be in Australia sometime again next year. I hope that happens. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Take care. Take care. See you. Bye.